Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 106. In today's podcast, have you ever wondered about using a natural antibiotic? In today's episode, we are covering three very important holistic antibacterials for dogs and cats. Colloidal silver for infections, including eye and ear problems. Olive leaf extract, the natural antibiotic that is the choice of many holistic veterinarians. Garlic is considered a key alternative antibiotic for people, but is it safe for dogs and cats? Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Questions or suggestions, feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to get a copy of my new free book. It's called Natural Health for Dogs and Cats, in which I share the most important foods to keep your pet healthy and naturally treat disease. You can get your copy by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com. Now let's get right into today's podcast, natural antibiotics. We are starting with colloidal silver. So colloidal silver is the term used to describe tiny particles of silver suspended in liquid. The size of the silver particles in colloidal silver can vary, but some are so tiny they're referred as nanoparticles. Before modern antibiotics were developed, colloidal silver was used as an all-purpose remedy for various infections and illnesses. As we're dealing with increasing number of antibiotic resistant bacteria, colloidal silver it has experienced a revival in amongst people as well as amongst alternative veterinarians helping sick dogs and cats. Exactly how does colloidal silver work? Research suggests that it attaches to proteins on the cell walls of bacteria, damaging their cell membranes. This allows silver ions to pass into the cells, but they can then interfere with the bacteria's metabolic processes, leading to cell death. It's thought the effect of colloidal silver varies depending on the size and shape of the silver particles, as well as the concentration of the silver solution. There are an array of potential health benefits. First, antibacterial, and obviously that's the biggest focus of today's podcast. And before the discovery antibiotics, colloidal silver was a very popular antibacterial treatment. Test tube studies have shown that colloidal silver can kill a wide range of bacteria. This is translated its use into a variety of different healthcare products, including wound creams, wound dressings, and even medical equipment. A number of different researchers are also suggesting that colloidal silver is antiviral. Some studies have suggested that the different types of silver nanoparticles may help kill viruses. Some are also finding to be antifungal. One test tube study showed that it may stop the growth of some strains of fungi. Is it safe? Good question, and initially when I was in veterinary practice, that was my big concern. Anything I'd heard about colloidal silver was stay away from it. There's no way you should be giving silver to a dog or a cat, never mind a person. Our dogs and cats are exposed to small amounts of silver every day. You know, it's present in the drinking water, food supply, and even some of the air that you're breathing. In general, as a compound, silver is found in the environment and is thought to be quite safe. The purported risk that's documented is a thing called agria. Agria is a condition which turns the skin a blue-gray color due to a buildup of silver medical particles in the body and skin. These silver deposits can also occur in the intestines, liver, kidneys, and other organs. That being said, the very few documented cases of this happening are when you have people consuming excess amounts. We're looking at 100 to 1,000 times the suggested doses of colloidal silver over an extended period of time. 
when you talk to alternative veterinarians who are using colloidal silver on dogs and cats, they've never seen this in a dog and cat. And in fact, they're finding to be incredibly safe. And if you sort of go along the advised colloidal silver dosage guidelines, you will not run into an issue. As far as how to use it, it can be used topically, it can be used orally, it can be used in the eyes, it can be even used in the ears. Here are some general guidelines. If you're gonna be using colloidal silver as a natural antibiotic, giving it orally. For an animal that's about 10 pounds, you're giving about an eighth of a teaspoon. Between 10 to 40 pounds, you're doing about a quarter of a teaspoon. 50 to 80 pounds, you're doing about a half a teaspoon. 80 to 100 pounds, one teaspoon. Anything over that's gonna get one and a quarter to one and a half teaspoons. That amount is given two to three times a day for seven to 10 days. And that's kind of the standard amount if you're gonna be treating a dog, treating a cat, say with some type of systemic infection, be it bacterial or viral, and you wanna use colloidal silver. You can also drop it in the eye and treat treat an eye infection, one to two drops, three to four times a day for five to seven days. You can put drops in your dog's ears if you're trying to treat an ear infection. Five drops in both ears twice a day for seven to 10 days. Olive leaf, what is it? How can this help your dogs and cats? Is that many of the alternative veterinarians, they consider this a key natural antibacterial and they are often using this in veterinary practice. It comes from the leaf of the olive tree. We've all had olives, they grow on a tree and guess what? The leaves have an array of different health benefits. Some of the ones seen in people that are more applicable to people, including helping lower cholesterol, blood pressure, but with our animals, really important antiviral and especially an important antibacterial. You know, people in the Mediterranean, they've been using olive tree leaves for thousands of years. They contain several key polyphenols. One is oleacin, one is oleopurine. It's thought that many of the underlying health benefits are derived from these polyphenols. So one of the specific things that have been studied and the benefits of all uh, leaf extract, first of all, with obesity, with weight gain. In a 2016 study with rats, they found that it was helped to lower body weight, less fat tissue, and an improved metabolic profile. A 2014 study found that supplementing with olive leaf extract resulted in decreased body weight and weight gain in mice when they were consuming a high fat diet. You know, these findings suggest that olive leaf extract may have the potential to reduce weight gain, lower the risk of obesity in our animals and in people. Type 2 diabetes, obviously this is a huge issue amongst our cat population, less so our dogs. Generally our dogs are type 1 diabetic, but also a huge issue in the human population. You know, we're increasingly eating these really simple carbohydrate diets, resulting in these blood glucose spikes. Our cells no longer respond to insulin, we become type 2 diabetic. Also, olive leaf extract may help reduce a person's risk of developing type 2 diabetes. May also help your cat who has a type is a type 2 diabetic. This one 2013 study on people, they found that after 12 weeks, people in the olive leaf extract group had significant improvements in insulin sensitivity and pancreatic responsiveness compared to those who took the placebo. There has been a number of other different studies with olive leaf extract, one for immune support. This one they looked at the effect of olive leaf extract on upper respiratory illness in high school athletes. And what they found is that the athletes that were on the olive leaf, they had lower incidence of disease. If they did get sick, they had less symptoms and they recovered from that illness quicker. And these were for typical viral things like cough and colds and flu. So that's a big, huge benefit. They've done studies in olive leaf for cognitive dysfunction by promoting autophagy. 
So what that means is by taking the olive leaf, you're more likely to have this more normalized metabolic profile, meaning your body was then much more likely to go after and consume the damaged cells, i.e. say the damaged brain cells, that can then lead to Alzheimer's disease. And that's one of the big sort of benefits that people are seeing with this intermittent fasting, where they're going for a huge chunk of time where they're not eating. Say, for instance, they eat their last meal at 7, don't eat again until 11 the next day. And by doing that, they're sending their body into a form of an intermittent fast, and that's causing the body to then consume some of the cells that are no longer beneficial and helpful. And the last big point to re-emphasize is there are an array of different studies showing the antibacterial potential of olive leaf extract. And this is, as I said earlier, one of the key ones that many alternative veterinarians are using. They're looking at a standard antibiotic dose of about 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight once or twice daily, given somewhere to 7 to 10 days. Lastly, garlic. It's seen as a key antibacterial for people, but is it safe to give to your dogs and cats? Garlic has long been used as a beneficial herb and it's listed by the FDA as approved for pet food, yet still most veterinarians are saying like, don't give it, it's dangerous. It can lead to hemolytic anemia. Even the ASPCA's poison hotline recently added garlic to its list of toxins, although they actually don't have a single individual case report linking a toxin to garlic ingestion. For centuries, people have used garlic as a natural antibacterial. I mean, it's one of, considered one of the key, key, key antibacterials. Garlic's properties are very far-reaching and generally considered very safe with people. What we're finding is that it has antiparasitic, anti-carcinogenic, and antiseptic properties. Many alternative veterinarians are seeing it benefit animals uh, with some of the fungal diseases, a coccidiomycosis, heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, liver, kidney, heart disease, allergies, really unresponsive skin infections, i.e. the staph infection. Many people have widely and safely used garlic for thousands of years with no real reported serious negative side effects. So what's the deal? Is it safe or is it not safe? For the last few decades, primarily as a result of Onion's reputation for triggering a type of anemia called Heinz body hemolytic anemia, garlic has also been said to be toxic. The big point that is missed here though is that garlic does not contain the same thiosulfate concentration as onion does. In fact, it's barely traceable and readily excreted. You know, Dr. Dave Summers says that when you test onions versus garlic, onions have about 15 times the ability of garlic to damage red blood cells. Pretty much all the quote unquote evidence against garlic for dogs comes from a 2000 study at a university in Japan. Uh, they tested four dogs who were given this huge amount of garlic extract for seven straight days. So I said, for example, if the dog weighed 50 pounds, it would be given about 25 large raw garlic cloves. Can you imagine 25 cloves to a 50 pound dog? What person that would be like you eating 75 cloves of garlic? I'm pretty sure if you and I ate 75 cloves of garlic, we'd probably have some signs of toxicity. It says none of the dogs showed any outward signs of toxicity, but there was an effect on their red blood cells. Even though at these highly elevated doses, none of the dogs clinically developed anemia. And that's how it's all based on that one study. There was a follow-up study in 2004, and it showed that the active ingredient in garlic allicin is beneficial to mammals' health, and that they stated that there was no report of hemolytic anemia in spite of the high concentrations of garlic provided during the study. So you would think after multiple follow-up studies, by now we would recognize that garlic is safe. 
The active ingredient in garlic is called allicin, and to get it active, you can't just give your dog a raw garlic clove. You would have to be giving them, it has to be crushed up, and then it becomes active. So what is a safe raw garlic dose for dogs? Well, in the book, The Complete Herbal Books for Dogs, here's are the suggested doses. A dog that's 10 to 15 pounds, half a clove, 20 to 40 pounds, one clove, 45 to 70 pounds, two cloves, over 75 pounds, two and a half cloves. The other option is to consider something like allicin. So that's the active ingredient that's in garlic. You can get it as a capsule formation. And if you're gonna be giving allicin, you're gonna be giving it at about one milligram per pound twice daily. Should you be using garlic? Do you need to be super worried about causing anemia in your animals? Well, in truth, I've never seen an animal develop anemia using garlic. I've never met a veterinary practitioner who's diagnosed anemia with an animal that's used garlic. So in my opinion, it's one of those big wives and your animals could really be missing out on this very beneficial nutrient. I regularly use it with my own dog. She's more than happy to eat it. And if I'm trying to deal with a, an underlying infection, no question, this is one of the key, key nutrients I'm gonna to add to her diet. When I'm looking at giving it, I prefer to give it in the raw form. So I'll take up, she's a 20 pound dog. I'm gonna give her half a clove. I'm gonna cut it in half, crush it, mix that into her food, giving that to her daily. And I encourage you to think about incorporating garlic, one of those big three key antibacterials that we've talked about today. So thanks for listening to this edition of the Dr. Jones's Very Secrets podcast. That was episode 106. Questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to post one of those on the blog at theinternetpetvet.com. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is Dr. Jones.